Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Holt Norris, joined by my good friend Jordan Brooks. What's going on, JB? Feeling pretty fantastic, Holt. Um, yesterday was a pretty exciting wave of games. Week two is in the books. We're already starting to look ahead to week three. What about you? Yep, that's right. Always looking forward to the next week. Um, seems like as soon as uh, all the games are over, you're immediately looking at the schedule for the next week and seeing how some of the matchups are going to play out. Um, was there anything specifically that stood out to you yesterday? Yeah, um, for me, it was just there was a lot of games that teams were playing more competitively and close with inferior opponents, and I've noticed it's been a trend. I think not just like this year or last year, but really the last several years. You don't see as many blowouts with um, either FCS opponents or Group of Five opponents. Um, you're seeing a lot of these SEC teams that are either just you know sleepwalking or struggling against these teams now, and I think it's because – it's a combination of that and also these um, lower-tier opponents. They're treating it like a Super Bowl. They're throwing the kitchen sink at these yeah. schools now. I wonder if the transfer portal has had something to do with that, too. Like, teams don't have as much depth as they used to, and Could the be that. more and spread out. I think there's also more talent um, now than there was probably 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, so the way that we're going to set up the podcast today, um, we're just going to go through sort of the best games. Um, there were We had six of them. Uh, we had three games where uh, there was some sleepwalking and we we're just trying to see if maybe there was some cause for concern or if uh, it was just nothing to it and we're not worried about it. Um, and then we also have some games that just fall under the easy win category, which are just kind of blowout wins that we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about. Um, so we'll just go ahead and get into it. We are going to try to keep these uh, podcasts kind of short. Um, so with that being said, we're just going to go ahead and get into the best games of yesterday. Um, I know, JB, you were at the zoo last night, so you didn't get to watch any of the night games, unfortunately. But uh, you did watch some of the day games, and we'll get into some of those uh, first. Um, but for the best games from yesterday, we, of course, have the Alabama-Texas game. Uh, Texas A&M falling to Miami. Uh, Ole Miss beating Tulane on the road. Mississippi State beating Arizona in overtime. And Auburn beating... Uh, Cal on the road in a very close game. And then we also have the 10 a.m. game from yesterday, Vanderbilt falling to uh, Wake Forest. Um, so I'll just let you uh, dive into one. Uh, does one of those stick out to you? And um, what what are some of your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, the game that um, of that that I did like watching the most, that was most entertaining, was that Ole Miss Tulane game. Um, a lot of back and forth. Um, Tulane came to play, even with Pratt, you know, not being able to play for Tulane. Tulane's offense didn't miss a beat. I mean, they came ready to play. Um, there was a little bit of sloppiness, um, you know, from Ole Miss's side. Um, so, you know, several turnovers. And, you know, it's just things of that nature that you definitely uh, uh, notice, um, you know, turnovers from Ole Miss and also from uh, Tulane. But overall, it was an exciting game back and forth. I mean, you know, that first possession, um, Ole Miss scored on, the first, on three plays under a minute. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is about to turn into a boat race. Uh, but then Tulane came back, scored on the ensuing possession, and uh, it was just close the entire game. I mean, there was a time I was worried for Ole Miss. I think um, it was like sometime in the second or third quarter. I mean, the game was, what, at one point, uh, Tulane had the lead. And, uh, you know, we were getting a little bit concerned um, that they could, uh, you know, come away and win this because they were up, I think, 17-7. to That's right, in the latter part of the second quarter. And Ole Miss had struggled since that first drive. But um, they were able to get it together, get that victory and took a team out of a potential uh, sleeper for the playoff race, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, that's right. And it, I think the um, it was really uh, interesting, this game. Uh, 
you know, Quinchon Junkin, Judkins. I can never say his name right. I always, <laughs> have, to, I always have to slow down and like. Uh, but uh, he kind of got bottled up a little bit in this one. Um, 18 carries for 48 yards, one touchdown. Um, Jackson Dart, I thought, played a, a really solid game, um, especially avoiding some pressure. Um, but uh, that Tulane defensive line really held their own in this game, and that was really surprising to me. Um, you know, we do know this was a really big game for Tulane, probably their, you know, maybe not their biggest game of the season in terms of, uh, you know, like rivalries and stuff like that, but definitely this was their opportunity to prove themselves on a national stage against the Power 5 team. So they were ready to play for this one. Um, unfortunately, their quarterback was not able to play, um, and I think that was a huge part of uh you know, while Miss was able to uh, kind of pull away late in this one. But uh, this was a really exciting game, um, really good uniform matchup as well. But, again, uh, I'm still impressed with Jackson Dart and just his ability to avoid pressure. I mean, he, there was a couple times where he avoided um, a potential sack on a free rush and then made a play, um, and I think that was really the difference in the game was his ability to do that. Um, another game that really shocked me, um, I mean, I shouldn't be shocked because I – was not a fan of this team going into the season, but uh, Texas A&M going down to Miami and losing the way that they did was uh, really surprising to me. I mean, when we came into the season, obviously we had some concerns about Texas A&M and their offense, but they gave up 48 points uh, to Miami and a team with a new offensive coordinator, um, had all kinds of problems last year, and uh, a team that I was not very high on at all. Um, you know, they gave up a kick return for a touchdown. Just a really uh, poor performance for, for A&M. And Jimbo already is starting to feel some of that heat, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think his uh, seat has gone thermonuclear after that loss yesterday. I mean, the first, uh, you know, you know, 10 minutes of the game, I mean, I thought that A&M was about to come in there, set the tone, and, uh, you know, run away with it. And they scored, you know, that first possession, really great, scripted first drive. Next drive, they drove down the field, and then they just stalled um, inside the 10-yard line and had to settle for a short field goal. I mean, I thought they were going to go at 14-0. And then after that, uh, the offense, you know, never was really hardly able to move the ball again. They scored, They had one more touchdown that rest of that half. But they really struggled moving the ball um, a lot right after that. And um, after, and then, of course, Miami's offense just really tore it up after the, you know, first quarter. And, you know, I finished with, I think, what, how many yards they had? Like, yeah, 450 yards. So, I mean, that's – when you have that, especially with that A&M defense you had high expectations with, um, that's a lot to cause for concern in College Station. I mean, especially you needed to get this victory um, to set the tone for the season. This is not what you want um, before you go into conference play. No, definitely not. Um, I mean, if, if there's one thing you can say, I mean, this game, in my opinion, was a lot of Miami just looking really good. I'm a lot better than we thought they were going to. Tyler Van Dyke showed a ton of promise as a freshman. And last year really struggled, but it looks like with the new offense coordinator they have down there that they've really uh, they've really turned some things around. Um, you know, obviously for A&M, you know, c- c- coming into the season there was already some question marks, um, but I think most of people's questions were on the offensive side. And offensively they didn't play great, but they played well enough to win. Um, I think it was really – those defenses really what let them down in this one, and that's really surprising to see for me. It is. I mean, they had, what, 430 yards of offense. You think that would have been enough – in this game against Miami, especially how as good as the A&M defense is supposed to be. But this was just a all-around bad game um, for A&M. Uh, this is not how you expected it to be. Um, this was supposed to be a win for A&M. You're supposed to be feeling really good, um, you know, going to next week. And, uh, you know, that's just disappointing because, you know, next week they're playing Monroe. You're supposed to be 3-0. and I mean, instead, you know, um, Jimbo Fisher's 
seed is just, you know, like I said, it's gone thermonuclear. It's not a good time to be Jimbo Fisher. And I think, you know, if he starts to have everything spiral, you know, in the next month, is he going to survive the season? Uh, my projection would be no. But uh, I think we're, we've all been very clear on that and how we feel about his situation in Texas A&M. Uh, but moving over to probably the game that most people um, are talking about or want to hear about, um, Alabama falls to Texas, uh, 34-24. Uh, really exciting game. Um, a lot of explosive plays from Texas. Um, you know, this is a game that you had been projecting for a while now for Texas to win. Uh, you ended up being correct on that one. Quinn Ewers had a huge game, 24 for 38, 349 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. Um, just a, a really good performance by uh, Sark. I thought his receivers actually let him down a little bit. He could have had a much better game. Um, and Texas probably could have won this game a, a little bit easier if, uh, if his receivers would have made him some plays. But, you know, and I know you didn't get to watch this game, um, but, uh, you know, what are some of your thoughts on take takeaways from what happened in Alabama going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think one biggest one, obviously, Quinn Ewers was awesome yesterday. But another thing, that Texas run defense really shut down that Alabama run game. It made Alabama one-dimensional. One You're trying to make Milrow beat you. And when you do that, that is the recipe to beat this Alabama team. I mean, this, this is exactly the concern I had for Alabama going into the season is – um, quarterback play. I mean, Milrow has the legs, you know, to try to create plays for them, but his passing woes were exposed yesterday. And, and before the season, I said I was really high on Texas. I really believed in this team. I really believed that they were going to show out, and, you know, they were a college football playoff pick for me. And last night's performance shows why. I mean, I had a lot of confidence in them. Um, I think they have a complete team, lots of talent. I mean, one of the most talented teams they've had in Austin probably over a decade. So, um, they're complete, really awesome on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't really see a lot of cause concern for them the rest of the season. Um, I really think they could run the table the whole way. I mean, they may slip up once, but with this win in the bag and on their resume, they could slip up once, win the Big 12, and they're going to make the playoff. I mean, you got to be feeling really good right now if you're a Texas fan. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, regarding uh, Alabama, um, you kind of you hinted at this a minute ago, but um, – the offensive line for Alabama was supposed to be a strength coming into the season, and uh, they really struggled last night uh, dealing with Texas in that defensive line. Um, they were not able to run the ball. They were not able to protect Milrow. I mean, it seemed like as soon as Milrow dropped back, there was someone in his face. Um, he was on the run all night. Uh, didn't really have time to set his feet and get comfortable in the game. Um, and I, it's really surprising to me because I thought this offensive line was going to be a big strength for Alabama. Um, I thought they were going to be able to run the ball um, a lot more um, than they did. And another big concern for me is we just don't see, like, a one of those great running backs we're used to seeing in Alabama. We're, I mean, we're always used to seeing guys, um, you know, who are four and five stars come in and just be dominant. Um, and Jace McClellan is, you know, he's fine. He's a good running back, but he's not nearly on the level of some of the running backs that Alabama has had over the years. And, um you know, I mean, Milrow, I mean, a lot of people are, are, you know, giving him a hard time today. I didn't think he was, like, the biggest problem, honestly. I thought it was much more with the offensive line in the running game. Um, you know, he's not a great passer. He made some bad decisions. Um, Especially the interception at yeah. the beginning of the game. Yeah. It had a, and double coverage. I mean, that was just, oh, that was rough yeah. to watch. I did get to see the um, first half of this game before I was had to go to the uh, event that I went to last night. But. God, it was just horrible to watch. And another thing you're mentioning, too, you know, Alabama's running backs aren't as good as they used to be. The receivers, they don't really have a go-to receiver anymore. Like, 
even during the you know Greg McElroy McCarron era, they always had one receiver that they could rely on um, before they switched you know to more of a spread attack. You know, with two attack of Aloha and Jalen Hurts. You know, they had a trio of receivers during that era, but now they just don't have that receiver, that go-to guy that you can go to and rely on any given down. That's another issue to be worried about with Alabama too. Like a lot of the issues I saw, you know, from last night's game were the things that I pointed to before the season and. And I will say this, I do think Alabama is going to be a much better team as the season progresses. I think it's a team you don't want to see in November. But right now in September, Texas caught them at a good time. Yeah, and no, it, it is a long season. You know, I mean, we, we talk about that all the time. I mean, um, when you're a team like Alabama and you got all these four- and five-star players on your team, you know, you're going to improve over the course of the season. There's a very good chance that that was the best offense they're going to face all season. Um, so we'll see if their defense is able to uh, kind of improve and get better as the season goes on. Um, you know, with their offensive line, I mean, you know, I, I'm just – I'm shocked. I honestly don't know what else to say. Um, I did not expect them to play like that. And, did you see um, how many carries they had? It was 35 carries and, I, and 107 yards of rushing. Yeah, That's just I mean, not going to cut it. No. And, I mean, I don't think – I think Texas has got some talent on the, in the, uh, on the defensive line and in the front seven, but – you know, that's going to be par for the course for and Alabama. They don't even the be the best front year. seven they play all year either. No, it's going to get a lot harder for that offensive line over the course of the season. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, just like I said, it, it is a long season, and, you know, some of these teams are going to improve. A lot of times teams have a loss early in the season and they bounce back. So, you know, um, it'll be exciting to see how uh, the rest of the season goes for, for Alabama. And, you know, one way or the other, if they ended up falling apart and turning into a dumpster fire, I mean, I'm sure most of us would enjoy to watch that anyway. Um, but I'll, I'm I'm not so sure that's going to happen. <laughs> no, I wouldn't count on it. Um, nine and three might be a dumpster fire to those yeah, Alabama fans, though. And that, that must be nice to. That's that's think what I predicted for them. Dumpster fire. Nine and three is a dumpster fire in Tuscaloosa, and that's what I predicted. So you know that's very possible. All right. Well, uh, moving over um, about ninety miles to the west in Starkville. Um, that was a really close, exciting game. Um, I know that this is one of the main games we had highlighted last week as kind of under the radar, potentially a really close game, and it was. Um, Mississippi State gets the win in overtime, 31-24. Um, Jaden Delora for Arizona had a huge game, 32-46 uh, passing, 342 yards, two touchdowns, but he did have four interceptions. So uh, kind of a feast or famine uh, with him. Uh, Mississippi State got off to a really – um, good start. They got up 14 nothing in the first quarter. Um, could have been a lot worse than that. They had a fumble on their first drive in the end zone uh, going in uh, that you know they didn't get any points. They had a holding penalty, and then they missed a field goal. Uh, they had a holding penalty, a touchdown, and then missed a field goal after that. So they really missed out on some opportunities early uh, to cash in on some turnovers. Um, Arizona figured some things out, kind of got back in the game, um, but uh, Mississippi State was able to, to pull away and uh, get the win in overtime. Did, did you get to see any of this game? I missed the entire game, unfortunately. And that's the thing about uh, these fall events, like whether it's the event I attended last night or weddings. Um, it's always it's always in the fall when all these events happen. And and it, you have to balance life and college football. And it's, it's really hard. As Josh Pate says, there is no balancing life in college football. It's all college football. And, and I wish I could be with him on that. Um, but, of course, there's sometimes there's life things that call. But... Um, I will say my biggest pet peeve, um, you know, is things that come in between it. But sometimes it's just things that are out of your control. So I did not get to see it, unfortunately. 
Yeah, well, it, it was a very exciting game. You definitely missed a good one. Will Rogers had a solid game, um, but they were not really letting him air it out too much. It was kind of a conservative game plan for the new offensive coordinator there. Um, only threw the ball 17 times, but he did complete 13 of them for 162 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, so a decent performance for him, um, but it does seem as though uh, the key to this offense or the feature of this offense is going to be the running back, Jaquavius Marks, um, 24 carries, 123 yards, and one touchdown. Um, he's leading the SEC in rushing right now. Um, so uh, after uh, three years of him playing in the air raid, I'm sure he's happy to uh, to be able to get 24 carries in a game and be leading the SEC in rushing. Must be nice. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> definitely uh, done a complete 180 from, from last year, but – um, you know, I, I was kind of impressed with the Mississippi State's defense early in the game. They really affected uh, Delora, um, you know, but just like I said, that weren't able to capitalize on some turnovers, um, allowed Arizona to get back in the game. Um, you know, obviously they're going to host LSU next week, so that's going to be a really big game that we're all looking forward to. Um, also, uh, we have Auburn with the, uh, the late win over Cal. Um, this was an awful game to watch. Um, not gonna lie, it was probably the, the most painful game to watch of the day. Uh, they, but they do pull out the win, 14 to 10. Cal's kicker missed like three field goals. Um, so Auburn Jesus was looking out for uh, was looking out for Hugh Freeze. As Hugh Freeze is saying that our team is blessed. Yeah, you're not the best with accents. I have to say, I'm, I'm probably not. I just like to say it. Yeah, well, I, I do I do appreciate the effort, though. And you're welcome to do an uh, impression of anyone at any time because that's how much your uh, your impersonations make me laugh. But uh, <laughs> so Auburn does get the win. Um, very I mean, happy for our kids. Yeah, our, our kids. Yeah, they're all, <laughs> all of our children out here. Um, so Peyton Thorne was 9 of 14 for 94 yards, but he did have two touchdowns and one pick. Um, Sam Jackson uh, for Cal um, had, was he was kind of exciting to watch. Um, looking at his final stats, I thought that he actually played better than this. Um, but he was 14 of 27 for 126 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Um, so for Auburn, you know, last week we felt really good about their offense um, against an inferior opponent. Thought they looked really good this week, not so much. Um, but defensively, they were able to, you know, keep Cal in check, keep him out of the end zone at least, and force the field goals that they had to miss. Um, you know, I think if you're Auburn, you take this. I mean, it's not sexy. You know, no one's going to remember this game. No one's going to feel great after this game. But based on how things ended last year, I think you're just happy to uh, just happy to get a win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now you get to, uh, you know, bring Sanford in next week, um, back on the plane, you're back at home. Yeah, another week um, to try to work out the kinks, improve the offense and the timing. Um, the main thing is, you got away with, you got out of there with the win. I can tell Auburn fans this: if Ryan Harson was still your head coach, you would not have won that game last night. So I think you freeze. You got a good, you got a good one there. Um, just got to be patient with him. Like I said, I expected an instant turnaround with him this year, and I still think there's cause to believe in that too. Um, I still think that this team is going to win, you know, seven or eight games, and that's a lot better um, than would have been if they still had Ryan Harson coaching. So. And like I said, they got a good feature. Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, they're a uh, they got a new coach. They got a bunch of transfers. So I think each and every week they're going to get a little bit better. Um, I mean, that's true for everybody, but especially a team like Auburn. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch going forward. I think you're just happy with the win, get out of there, and move on to the next one. Uh, speaking of moving on to the next one, um, we got the Vanderbilt Commodores 
uh, falling to Wake Forest, uh, 36 to 20. Um, AJ Swan had a pretty good game, 26 to 39, 314 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Um, they did not run the ball very well. Uh, Patrick Smith had 10 carries for 77 yards. Um, uh, London Humphreys, four receptions, 109 yards, one touchdown, and Will Shepard, eight catches, 87 yards, and two touchdowns. So had some good performances out of the receivers. Um, Swan had a decent game, but he did throw the couple picks. Um, you know, we're still worried about that uh, Vanderbilt offensive line. And um, not going to lie, we were kind of hoping for this one, for Vanderbilt to make the bowl game. We were kind of trying to count them to get them there in the preseason. This is one they really needed. It was. And, you know, this, you know, losing to Wake Forest, like, Glancing at the rest of their schedule, I just don't think the numbers are there for Vanderbilt. I think this is it was a must-win game for Vanderbilt, not just for a confidence boost, but also to get to three and zero. And for the num- it's really just a numbers game at this point. Um, I just don't see enough games in the schedule that I think they can get to that six-win threshold and get to a bowl this year. So, sorry to say to a lot of fans over in West End, um, I just don't see enough uh, victories coming for you all this season to get to six wins. I really thought that game in Winston-Salem yesterday was a must win and of course you know yesterday I'm sure you noticed Holt there was a ton of lightning delays all over college football yesterday especially in like in the southeast states uh, I think Virginia had one um, Winston-Salem there was a game in Raleigh North Carolina State and uh, and uh, Notre Dame at Knoxville Austin T- Tennessee Austin P had one um, it's just lightning delays really just throw a team off too so a lot of that you can attri- Tribute to Vanderbilt um, struggling, you know, after that, because the game was supposed to be a 10 a.m. Central time start, which is a really early for a football game. Of course, it was 11 a.m., you know, for the folks in Winston-Salem, but I just don't like early starts like that. Yeah, I agree with you. And, um, I mean, defensively, Vanderbilt, really, really rough game for them. So we hope, they can, we hope they can bounce back from that. Um, so moving into um, the next category of teams, we have three games here. Um, Missouri, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Um, they're all teams that played inferior competition and kind of struggled a little bit. Um, didn't look as good as we expect them to look. Um, you know, Tennessee beats Austin P 30 to 13, but that was kind of a close game in the second half. Um, you know, Kentucky beats Eastern Kentucky 28 17, but that was also a close game for most of it. And then uh, Middle Tennessee State had a little late comeback to make it look close against Missouri. Um, Missouri was able to pull that one out 23-19. I think fans of all three of these teams are a little bit concerned. Um, Out of these three, which one one kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, as far as the the Tennessee-Austin P game for me, that was really, to me, a case of sleepwalking. Now, of course, that first possession, I did get to see a little bit of that first possession for Tennessee-Austin P. Um, They did open up that game, and there were three straight drops on that possession. Um, two of them, I would say, they were Joe Milton's fault. They were um, a lot of zip on it and a little bit inaccurate. Another one was just a straight drop. Um, there was a, um, a lot of sloppiness that first possession. And I think after that, um, the coaching staff was like, you know what, we're just going to throw screens and run up the gut the rest of this game because that's all we need to play against Austin P. And I think they felt pretty comfortable doing that, even if it meant that the score was going to be close and the game was going to be closer all game. Um, and that's what they ended up doing. Um, it ended up being a very sloppy game. Um, Sleepwalking game, I think, because, like I said, the playbook was not opened up at all compared to the Virginia game. Um, you know, they're playing in Gainesville next week. Um, so, I mean, a lot of fans on in Knoxville are concerned, and there's reason to be concerned. I mean, Joe Milton looked very consistent in that game, um, struggling with um, putting touch on his throws especially. 
Um, I think what teams are going to notice when they play Tennessee, the, the recipe, I think, to beat Tennessee is to uh, limit um, Joe Milton on the deep throws, make him make, throw those intermediate throws, those five, ten-yard throws, because those are the ones he struggles with the most. Um, he can beat you deep because he'll throw over the top, but a lot of secondaries, I think, are going to be playing deep and forcing you to you know, throw underneath. So that, I think that's going to be the recipe um, against Tennessee um, going forward. Um, because that's what I noticed. I, I would attribute to a lot of that game is just Tennessee sleepwalking. I'm not going to put my uh, level of concern at a high meter just yet. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not too worried about Tennessee. I mean, after playing Virginia last week, handled them easily. Um, you know, Tennessee and, and you may not know this, JB, uh, Tennessee and Mississippi State are the only two SEC teams who have beaten a Power 5 team. Is that nuts? That's crazy. Thing and I think at the ACC, uh, what is it? The SEC is like one and four, or was it one and six against ACC teams? And Tennessee is the only school that is carrying the flag for the SEC by beating Virginia. Yeah. And Mississippi State finally put it into uh, Arizona's, or not Arizona, but uh, the Pac 12's winning streak. They were like 18 and 0 or something before Arizona lost. Mm. So, yeah, not, not great times for the SEC right now. But uh, I'm not going to worry about that till the end of the season when people start talking about playoffs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I agree with you about Tennessee. I'm not too worried about them. Um, the team I am a little bit worried about, though, is Kentucky, um, only because I had them going 9-3 and three this year. Um, they really struggled with Eastern Kentucky. It was tied 7-7 at halftime. Um, you know, they did uh, pull away a little bit in the second half, um, get the win by 11 points, obviously, at 28-17. Uh, the offense just looks really slow. It looks um, not in sync. It looks uh, a little bit behind schedule. Um, you know, I think we all thought that this was going to be a little bit of a smoother transition, bring, uh, bring Cohen back uh, with Devin Leary, who's got a ton of experience and has put up big numbers throughout his career, um, along with those young receivers. And, uh, you know, Tavion Brown did have a big game, six catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, but other than that, there really wasn't a lot to speak about on the offense. It was kind of a, kind of a slow performance offensively, um, not very sexy. Um, and really, uh, really disappointing. I mean, honestly, I, I don't uh, know what else to say, but the good news for Kentucky is, you know, they got a lot of time to figure it out. Um, it's not going to be until week five or week six before they, you know, really get tested by somebody. You're right. I mean, that, and that was a lot of concern for me. I mean, uh, the offense was struggling mightily yesterday, and um, it was a lot closer than it should have been. I mean, the score was 21-17. Um, almost midway through the fourth quarter before, you know, Kentucky scored, I think, with about seven or eight minutes left to, you know, put it up to two possessions. But before that, I mean, it was a close game throughout the entire game. Um, Eastern Kentucky was in. I mean, there's a couple of, couple of scoring exchanges, you know, where Eastern Kentucky did have the lead. So, um, it was definitely a lot to be concerned with um, with Kentucky. And, yeah, like I said, out of that trio of games, Kentucky is the one I'm most concerned with because they don't have an excuse to be sleepwalking. And like you said, their schedule doesn't toughen up for a few weeks. Um, you know, Tennessee, I think, has an excuse. And then another game that we're going to, you know, mention, too, is the Missouri-MTSU game, too. That's a game where I think uh, Missouri, you could make an excuse for them sleepwalking because they have Kansas State coming at home next week, another big non-conference game from a uh, nearby state. Yeah, that's right. And getting into Missouri, uh, they uh, were able to defeat Middle Tennessee State 23-19. Um, to you know, it kind of similar to Kentucky. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where it's, um, you know, they have a couple of easy games out of the gates, and you're kind of hoping that they would come out and win easily. And they they haven't looked as good as we'd hope that they'd look. 
Um, you know, Cody Schrader looks pretty good um, at the running back position. And Luther Burden appears to be like their real only weapon on the outside. So they're really going to need someone else to step up um, and take on some of those, um, you know, catches um, and carries uh, for this team. Uh, Brady Cook is the only quarterback who's getting any reps. So I think it's pretty safe to say he's just the guy. Um, you know, it doesn't, I don't think he's done anything to put his, his job in jeopardy. I don't think anyone behind him is really pushing him. Um, so it looks like he's going to be the guy. And uh, we're going to learn a lot about Missouri next week. I mean, oh, absolutely. obviously, these first two games, you know, no one's going to remember uh, in the long run. I mean, it would honestly just make all of us feel better if they if they had won these games more handily. But uh, we're really going to find out next weekend because that's really what matters. It is. Um, and yeah. And we don't – right now, this is just something for us to talk about for one week. But like, like you said, no one's going to remember that game, you know, several weeks from now. Everyone only remembers a game like, you know, for that week when it's just an opponent like that. And um, it was really scary for there for Missouri at the end because they, you know, MTSU got that safety um, late in the fourth quarter. And then um, the MTSU ended up getting some good field position. But Missouri's defense held strong. It was able to keep Missouri, MTSU from um, moving the ball down the field. They were able to hang on. But that was a scary time. I mean, they were really on upset alert, um, you know, at that moment in the game. And I was really concerned for them. I, had it on, um, you know, you know, not briefly right there at the end, um, you know, when I got home. But God, I was I was really concerned for Missouri, but thankfully they held on. A win is a win. They got a big win next week against Kansas State. You know, they want to get some revenge after last year's game. It was a lackadaisical, big time opponent. Um, this is a one of those biggest games for Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, if I can say it's the biggest in his career, but it's up there as far as um, his tenure at Missouri. All right, and then uh, lastly, we're just going to move into some of the teams who had a little bit of an easy win um, this week, and there's really not a ton to talk about. Um, Arkansas took care of business against Kent State, um, 28-3. Florida beat McNeese, 49-7. South Carolina beat Furman, 47-21. LSU handled Grambling, 72-10. And Georgia... Um, Beat Ball State 45 to three, and Ball State getting that fourth quarter field goal to, to earn the push um, with the 42 point line. So, did any of these games stand out to you? Is there anything we need to talk about with any of these games? Yeah, I mean, I was happy about the Ball State Georgia game because I had a uh, same game parlay on that game, and I ended up coming coming away with you know some money from that one. So, uh, that's the one that stood out to me the most because I won some money off Georgia. Thanks, Georgia. Um, other than that, I mean, all these other games. I mean, LSU took care of business. Florida took care of business. Um, I will say this Florida, the Furman-South Carolina game, it was close um, up until, you know, later, pretty much before halftime it was close because, um, you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but Furman was up 14-7 uh, midway through the second quarter. And, I mean, I'm sure a lot of fans and um, Williams-Brice were concerned and, and you know, should be because, you know, you're expecting you want to have a bounce back after last week. And they did open it up in the second half. Uh, Spencer Rattler had a really solid game. Um, you know, throwing for over 300 yards, so that was really good for him. Uh, you know, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, but I'm still concerned about the offensive line. Um, Furman was able to get a push against South Carolina, so that is a little cause for concern, especially next week playing against Georgia. Between the hedges, I am a lot really still concerned about South Carolina going forward, but they were able to get that bounce-back win. And hopefully, hopefully for uh, South Carolina, that second half is a uh, confidence boost and a momentum boost before they play next week. Yeah, and no, I'm just looking at Arkansas. I mean, 28 to three is, um, 
Not as badly as you would have liked to have seen them beat Kent State. Kent State's a team that's just been uh, killed by the transfer portal, losing their coaches and everything. Um, got beat very badly by UCF last week. But, you know, at the end of the day, they took care of business. Um, this game was never in doubt. Um, you know, Stan Pippen's not the type of guy who's going to run up the score, so I'm not too concerned about it. Um, you know, I did expect them to win this game a little bit more handily, but, um, you know, I, I think – we're going to learn a lot more about all these teams in the next few weeks because uh, the schedules are really starting to toughen up. Uh, we've got some conference games next weekend. Um, so really excited uh, about all that. Um, so that's pretty much all we have for the uh, recap. Um, I did just want to ask you, JB, real quick, um, since we haven't been talking about food a lot lately, um, and there is supposed to be some food related to this show, have you eaten any good food lately? Well, I did yesterday at that uh, event that I went to. It was called Zood Rendezvous at at uh, the Memphis Zoo. It was mainly um, a fundraising event um, for the zoo to help uh, fund the zoo for the year. Um, it's a VIP event. Uh, luckily, uh, my wife was able to get tickets from her work, but they had over 60 restaurants um, that were vendors for this, and it was um, all it was all, all you can eat samples from those 60 restaurants. And we also had um, open bars, probably about 10 or 15 spread throughout the zoo um, with samplers. Um, one of the ones I went to the booths that I came up to was a uh, coffee booth and I ended up winning a uh, my favorite uh, white girl drink a pumpkin spice latte that I finished uh, but that was what I ended up winning and had a lot of good um, samples of liquor and moonshine uh, some good bourbon but it was a great night um, lots of good food um, at the end of the night we found a um, uh, local chocolate sampler like 20 different styles of chocolate and it was all you can eat for that as well so um, I definitely got my, uh, you know, belly's worth, not my money's worth, my belly's worth, and made sure that I came away from that event not hungry and satisfied. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, that your wife got invited since it's only VIPs, you know, because if, yeah. if it was just VIPs, then me and you would have never gotten invited. Well, I call it a VIP event. I call it a VIP event because tickets are $200 a person to go to this. That's like the high rollers that are going to go to this. Otherwise, I, I mean, I'm not going to fork out $200 to go to this on my own. But if someone gives me a ticket to go, even during college football season, I'll go because my wife made a good point. Like, as much as I love college football, it is my number one favorite thing. Um, she did say that I will never turn down free food, and she is correct on that. That's right. You can't turn down free food. But um, I don't really have anything else uh, to say for this one. Um, we will be back on Tuesday possibly Wednesday, hopefully Tuesday. Um, you can expect our podcast on Sundays and Tuesdays going forward. Um, you know, we would like it if you guys would send us some questions. Um, you can DM us on Twitter or Instagram, or you can email us at uh, secslowsmoke to gmail.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at HoltSmash1166. And what's your, what's your JB? My handle is at MRJB underscore Brooks. So Mr. JB underscore Brooks is how you can find me. And yeah, please, please slide in our DMs, send us some questions. Um, we were always looking for uh, more content and ways of uh, you know improving our show. That is the most important thing. Um, we do this for fun. We just want to um, connect with all of you. So please send us anything you like. Um, obviously, um, don't insult us because we're not <laughs> haters. Uh, we like we always want to give fair takes. Uh, we're not like some of the others out there that are just gonna like shit on your school um, just because you know we're haters. Your school sucks. You know you're a bunch of you know rednecks and you know whatever insults we hurl around the sec no we're, we're pretty fair knowledgeable uh people uh we just love college football we love the sec all right couldn't have said it better myself well uh, thank you all for listening um like subscribe share if you would if you want to you don't have to 
Uh, but anyway, we'll see y'all on the next one.